Let's go. Let's go. Oh, no. Do you wanna... Sorry, sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next one. I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party! Don't say sorry. You don't need to do that. You don't need to apologize. It's a fucked up female habit. You don't need to be sorry for anything ever. Can you guess what every woman's worst nightmare is? I don't have rage issues! I have nothing to prove to you. When I'm good, I'm very good. But when I'm bad, I'm better. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we are all about the crazy best actress race of 2023. I'm Karen Peterson, joined by the amazing Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Hello. Yes, by the time people are listening to this episode, like we, we will know what's yes. going on. Like what happened? We will. So this episode will either be a celebration or a commiseration <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know about you, Lauren, but I am all in on Michelle Yeoh this year. I, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, different the different best actresses and everything. And I, I love Kate Blanchett. I definitely think that she deserves it for Tar. I also think that Michelle Yao deserves it for everything everywhere all at once. And I think Michelle Yao deserves it for like her entire body of work as well. Yeah, and for just existing. Yeah, for for just like, and she's been such, as we are going to talk about today, she has been such an important actress in so many ways. And she's such a talented one that I would love to see her awarded for. Even though I admit that like, if you ask me which film do you prefer, I prefer Tar. I think that Tar is a better film overall. Mm-hmm. Um, I might, I mean, I don't, I, I think it's really difficult to compare their two performances because they're so very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, but that, that being said, I really, I, I want Michelle Yao to win for all kinds of reasons. I think it would be fantastic if she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully this is coming out with like, yay, Michelle Yao Oscar winner. <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll see. I mean, voting is in. The votes are done. No take backs. Yeah. Whoever's going to win, it's been chosen. We'll find out uh, in about, I don't know, 36 hours or so. Oh, <laughs> so, my God. I know. Um, at the time that we're recording this. By the, as, as Lauren pointed out, by the time you're listening, we already do know. So anyway, before we do get to our main discussion, Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah, it is still too cold here. It makes me so sad. <laughs> it's it's March. You know, March in New York is always this threat of spring. It's just like spring is coming, but it's not <laughs> here yet. And then like it snowed this morning, and I was like, "Please stop! It's too cold out." Um, oh, so yeah, but it, it is supposed to get warmer as the week goes on, which I am I am pulling for. But it, Mar- March March March. Uh, in in the city is always just a constant rising of hopes and then a dashing of hopes <laughs> it happens yeah. every year too i don't know why i keep hoping it's just like maybe this year it's funny how there are certain weather things that happen around the same time every year and people always forget like here in california we we call it may gray for a reason and people still are always so surprised in may when it's gray and gloomy and it's just like we we have a name for that and we do it in june as well it's june gloom and yet people are always surprised you know um for us it the 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 temperatures did tick back up a little bit it's 50 degrees right now 
I think it's supposed to get up into the 60s today, which is so nice considering it was, you know, down into the 30s just two weeks ago. Um, and people that live up in the mountains finally got to start going home this week. So it's just been a crazy, uh, crazy couple weeks. But um, last night I was actually doing an interview for a piece that I have coming in variety this week. And the publicist that was connecting us was in New York and it was, you know, cold and, and uh, sort of snowy, I guess. And then the person I was talking to is in Bali and it was, he's like, yeah, it's 10 in the morning on Saturday and it's already 88 degrees and really humid. <laughs> just like, this is just so funny talking to people like different parts of the world. And yeah, mm -hmm. I love weather, <laughs> which is why I took meteorology in college instead of chemistry. <laughs> Well, and you know, I, I'm, so I'm, I'm from upstate New York, as we know, and, and actually like I was, I am much happier to be in New York city than, than to be upstate at this time of year, because the most depressing months of the year in upstate New York are February and March mm -hmm. because of, of it's just gray. There's not even a hope, right? There's not even like in New York, in, in New York city, there's always the sense of like, well, it, it'll go, it's getting warmer. You know, we're having 50 degree days. We're having 60 degree days every once in a while. So there is that hope of spring in March upstate and except for like some really odd years. Yeah. It's, it's just always like, it'll never end. It will just be <laughs> snow and gray and wet and cold forever and ever and ever and there is no sun there's no such thing as the sun that's just this is just it this is our life it's that line from groundhog day <laughs> when bill murray's like it's gonna be cold it's gonna be gray and it's going to last for the rest of your life or whatever <laughs> however he says that <laughs> Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I, I always think of the Simpsons that that um, there's a joke about lousy smarch weather and just like, yeah, smarch weather. This is exactly what it is. It's like any period between about like February, sometimes through April. It's lousy smarch weather. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening to Weather Dames. Uh, <laughs> we are going to go into other conversations now. So um, let's talk about Michelle Yeoh. Let's or Yao, or Yao. no one can agree on how to pronounce her name. And I'm going to look it up by tomorrow because I need to know. Because if she wins and I'm at the Oscars, <laughs> I want to be able to get that right. Um, anyway, so I'm not I'm not laughing at the fact that everyone pronounces her name differently. I think that names are important and we should learn how to pronounce them correctly. Um, I just apologize that I did not do that before this episode. I, I had always pronounced her name as Michelle Yao, but now I realize that I I don't have any particular reason for that. I think I've heard that. I've heard both. Mm -hmm. I've heard both. So I've always said always, Yo. We could always use the name that she's credited as with uh, in um, <laughs> in Supercop, which is Michelle Kahn. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she actually used a, a couple of different uh, names in her early career. Um. I believe. Well, Michelle Michelle Kahn she used as a couple in a couple of films. She also used uh She King Young. Um and yeah. Anyway. Um let's see. So okay, before we get into um the specific films that we want to talk about, um, what was the first movie that you remember? seeing michelle yo and 
Uh, I think, I think honestly that it was probably um, the James Bond film tomorrow. I tomorrow never dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the first time I can recall seeing her. Although I, I, I don't, I honestly do not remember if I saw that film when, when it came out or, or anything like that. I would have been about, would have been about 11. So that, that would have, that would make sense, I guess. Um, but, but definitely, I think the, my strongest awareness of her was definitely Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Um, and I, I think that that's true for a lot of, uh, Westerners, at least like the first thing that probably we really recognize her from, um, because Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was such a major, uh, such a major thing in the West, definitely. Um, I, I think that that's probably the one that a lot of us remember her from originally. Yeah, same. Um, the first one that I definitely did see was Tomorrow Never Dies, but, um, you know, she was she was not the main star of that movie. It's Pierce Brosnan, um, obviously. But uh, yeah, when I saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I definitely recognized her. And I remember there being a lot of of conversation about her and how she'd had this long career in um, in China and Hong Kong before um, before crossing over to the United States and starting to do American films. But um, of course, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is not an American film, but um, yeah. And then it's like kind of that. It, uh, it's interesting when um, when international films do kind of cross over into mainstream American audiences. There's always going to be pockets of people who you know have appreciation for like um, um, like martial arts films from Asia or horror films from Scandinavia or, you know, whatever it is, but you know, it's, it's not that often it's getting better, but it's not Mm -hmm. that often that an international Mm -hmm. film will just have the life that, that some of them do here in the United States and crouching tiger, hidden dragon was one of those. It was nominated for or won four Academy awards. Um, It's it was nominated for several others. Um, And it really, I mean, it just was a huge hit here in the United States. Well, and I think that some of that has to do with Ang Lee, um, mm-hmm. because he was already a very recognizable filmmaker in the United States. But but yeah, I mean, there's there's always this tension, I think, and particularly in the 90s and the early outs, so b- before streaming, right? And really even before DVDs or anything like that made a wider range of films more available to, to the general public. Um, you would get films like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon that's that, you know, do, do have recognizable stars in them. Uh, Chow Yun-Fat has been around forever. Yeah. Um, uh, Michelle Yao has been around forever. Ang Lee definitely is a known filmmaker in the United States um, beyond any anything, you know, whether or not you paid attention to, to their careers elsewhere. So all of these people kind of already had at least a little bit of name recognition yeah. um, before Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. But yeah, it was one of those films that just sort of broke through for a lot of good reasons i think mm-hmm. um but it, it's just so seldom do those kinds of films are they even made available in the united states that's part of it like in 2000 how many of those how many of, of chinese films or hong kong films were really widely available in american theaters right yeah um 
the uh i was actually i was curious so i looked up the box office on crouching tiger hidden dragon and first of all american audience is already kind of loved angley because of a movie that we had just talked about last week which was sense and sensibility which he directed he's done some other stuff too um but he had already endeared himself to american audiences to the academy certainly um with with some of those types of films this was taiwan's international uh feature film submission and what was interesting was um this is really interesting for an international feature it's it's total box office worldwide was almost 214 million dollars 60 percent of that most of that came from the united states it was it made 128 million dollars here in the united states and 85 uh worldwide which is is unusual for an international film it was released by sony pictures classics so that um had a lot to do with it but uh just an interesting just an interesting little uh fact about that so um okay let's see first of all so we wanted to kind of run through we chose three specific um films and then of course we'll we'll talk about some others like just kind of mention them but uh, we chose three specific films from her early career that um, kind of introduced, like they introduced different se- like segments, I guess, of her career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first one would be Yes, Madam from 1985. By the way, all three of these are part of Criterion Channel's eight film package. Michelle Yeoh kicks ass. So definitely <laughs> watch that. Um, I'm working my way through it and it's a great collection. So, um, but yeah, so the first one that we're going to talk about is Yes, Madam. It's from 1985. And this was not her first film, but it was her first leading role. So it's uh, it's pretty significant in, uh, in her of. So Lauren, what were your, when did you, did you just watch Yes, Madam for the first time? And what were your initial thoughts? Yeah, I just watched Yes, Madam for the first time. I'd heard of this film, actually, because um, I, I followed a number of people on on Twitter who were very much into Hong Kong cinema, and particularly talking about Cynthia Rothrock, who is kind of the Michelle Yao's co-star, co-lead. Um, and and this is the film that people like reference a lot. It's just like, well, why isn't this available? And and I remember looking for it, and being like, I cannot find, I couldn't even find a streaming um, like a, a bad rip on YouTube <laughs> or anything like that. And so the, not having this film available, I was like, well, I want to see this. Like, and there are some mixed, mixed reviews of it and everything. And definitely it's a mixed film in a lot of ways. But having Michelle Yao and Cynthia Rothrock on the on the same screen together is just just fantastic. And um, and so I was really excited when I saw that this was like the first film on the Criterion, uh, on the Criterion Channel's Michelle Yao collection. And I was kind of surprised that Criterion wasn't promoting that fact because yeah. I was like, it has not been available. Like I know because I've looked for it off and on um, and because I've wanted to see it. And I was like, why are you not advertising this? Like, please advertise the fact that this film is now available, at least, at least for Western audiences. I don't know if it's been available elsewhere in Hong Kong or something like that, um, particularly given the, the presence of those two women. It's I mean, it's a silly film. It is a deeply silly film in a lot of ways. <laughs> so and, and too much of it, as, as a few people pointed out, too much of it is taken up with like a comedic kind of 
semi-comedic subplot involving, you know, three idiots who uh, who wind up coming into possession of things that like the villains want. And so not enough time is spent with Cynthia Rothrock and Michelle Yao. But what time we have with them is so awesome. And it's so cool to see the two of them fighting together alongside each other and like kicking dudes asses. And the final fight sequence really is just one of the best, just the best showcases for the pair of them on screen. It is so cool. It is wild. It is so like 1980s. Also, <laughs> the outfits, the shoulder pads, the hairstyles, everything. <laughs> but it's just really cool to like actually see on screen in this kind of a film two women who are very much being presented as like these are your badasses, right? These are your tough guys. Um, these are the ones who are going to defeat the bad guys. So yeah, it's a very mixed film in a lot of ways. And and I do think that it, we spend way too much time with three idiots, but um, the time that we do get with Michelle Yeoh and Cynthia Rothrock is just fantastic. I can't believe that you don't have more respect for a guy whose name is Aspirin. <laughs> it's just, there is so, I've, so I've now seen a number of, of films from this period of Hong Kong cinema, and some of them are really beloved. Uh -huh. And some of, and, and there's definitely, I don't know if it's a cultural thing. I don't know if it's a me thing. I don't know what it is, but there is definitely a sense of humor that I do not appreciate in these films. <laughs> and it's stuff like that. It's like, oh, his name is aspirin. His name is like, Tylenol and things like that. I just like I I don't. Is this supposed to be funny, right? <laughs> is it or is it just dumb? Like I don't know what I'm working with here, and I can't figure out how I'm supposed to respond to these characters. Um, because it, the the film also slides into some real seriousness. It does. Like, it's yeah. suddenly it's just like oh, there. This is like serious shit. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of tonal shifts that are just very confusing, and um, yeah. But but and and honestly, some of this is, seems to be really typical of this period of Hong Kong cinema. So it doesn't surprise me any of it. Yeah, um, I watched some of the Lucky Stars films, which are some of which are are a lot of fun, and some of them are painfully unfunny. Uh, <laughs> so there's kind of a there's kind of balance here. There's less sexism in this one than there are in some others, which is nice. Yeah, I think that was something that I I was. I was surprised about I wasn't sure going into this I mean I know she's like the star and it's her and this and Cynthia Rothrock these two lady cops you know but I, I wasn't sure if this was going to be like they had to combat bad guys and sexism from their own departments or if this was just going to be letting women just be badasses and it's mostly that <laughs> so um yeah, I... they they receive a great deal of respect actually mm -hmm. from all of their male peers. Like their characters are treated with respect, and they're yeah they there's there's not this sense of like oh you have to you you've got to prove yourself as women. Like all of the men are like yeah she's a total badass and she's probably going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like get her in here because we need her. Yeah, um, and and that's the thing is like I I getting to see these two women kicking ass literally um and getting these incredible fight sequences and uh as far as i understand they did most of the fighting themselves both of them um like a lot of that yeah. stunt stuff was was these actresses doing their own work uh which is kind of a hallmark of of 
these films in general but um but it's like man this is from the 80s and we still struggle with getting these types of of movies and roles for women you know 30 40 years later it's it's you know it's very frustrating but uh but it's it's so much fun and oh my gosh that whole last like you you mentioned the kind of the end um action sequence that is just so incredible it's so incredibly shot and then just the way that it's choreographed and watching some of the stunts that they do is is absolutely stunning i mean that whole the last probably 15 minutes of this movie are worth the entire movie and Mm -hmm. the silliness and the the weird tonal shifts that like it all builds to this this sequence that is so incredible that i mean i just was was speechless watching it i mean there's a scene where uh michelle's in a fight with this guy and he like kicks her i think and then she flips backwards lands on her back on a railing like on a balcony you know and then she jumps up (laughs) and starts walking on it like a balance beam and then just beats the shit out of him i mean i was just (laughs) like this is my favorite movie (laughs) it's really impressive yeah both of both of them are really impressive and you do get to see the um you know the 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 style and the abilities of these two women one of the things i love about these kinds of films generally is that they unlike a lot of fight scenes uh now you don't like you know captain america or whatever there's not a lot of quick cuts you get to actually see like here is the speed at which these people are moving here is what they're doing in a single static shot right Mm -hmm. and 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 yeah and you and you do get like images like they're just like jesus christ you're bad (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool yeah um and and because and sometimes it's it's also because of the way the hong kong industry worked they did not care if people got hurt (laughs) um there were times when people were actually like punching and kicking other people and people got seriously injured watch any of the outtakes from jackie chan films if you don't believe me but um but as a result of that i'm not necessarily saying this is a good thing but as a result of that you do get most most of them are doing their own stunts they're doing their own fighting there isn't like there isn't a stand-in coming in um to replace them or anything like that so you're actually seeing for the most part and every once in a while it it changes but for the most part you're actually seeing these people showcasing what they're able to do Mm -hmm. and that's just really impressive and and like you like you say it's really cool to see women getting to do that yeah um and and for it you know and there's some, like there's some sexist posturing from the villains but for the most part it's just like no i'm just gonna beat your ass like, like that's, mm-hmm. that's what's gonna happen here yeah it's great and part of the reason that she was able to to learn this type of choreography and and do the martial arts that she's able to do is because of she, she i mean she was a dancer from the time she was a child and ballet specifically and that really does help um with being able to control those movements and have this this really beautiful physicality that she is able to show not only in this movie but in others too that were the others that we're going to talk about even um where you can really mm-hmm. see that that ballet training and and it she so she brings not just this like amazing fighting but she brings this beautiful grace to it too so it just makes it that much more interesting to watch 
Yeah. And, and you've got to remember most of the time they are not, they're not trying to hit each other. Right. So it right. is like a dance. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to make it seem believable on screen, but you also don't, you don't really want to hurt the the person opposite you. And, and yeah, and I think that that definitely stood her in good stead and, uh, and you can, you can see it. And I like, I like also in watching the two of them together that they, they have very different fighting styles and a very different approach to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it melds really well, like watching the two of them. It's not like, Oh, there's no opposition really. It's let, let's show you what Cynthia could do. Let's show you what Michelle can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I was just curious about Cynthia. So I just wanted to look her up and it's interesting because Michelle's background, like I mentioned, was in ballet Cynthia's was in martial arts and athletics. So, so they're, they are coming to it from different backgrounds too. So I just, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cynthia Rothrock was like seven black belts in yeah. various martial arts. Like she, she really is a, um, she really is a fantastic female martial artist. And I I've read about her before. And again, a lot of her films, she, she worked primarily in the Hong Kong film industry and a lot of her films just aren't available in the West. They're not available in Western dubs. They're, you know, they're really difficult to obtain. So having something like yes, madam is really good also to kind of remind us that there were other women out there who were doing something just as spectacular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just not getting the respect. So um, <laughs> something that I thought was was um, kind of funny when I started watching. Yes, madam. So Michelle was only 23 when she did this movie. And you can definitely see the Michelle that we recognize today. But she's such a babe in this. It was just like, oh, she's so young. And <laughs> she just like kind of still has that like baby face. So she does. Yeah. It, it just it was it was cool. It was just like, oh, this is such a such a time capsule of a movie. So she's got such a presence, though. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, and this is a presence that runs throughout her career that like in, in her later films as well, that even at the age of 23, right? Mm-hmm. She, you're, she's like, yeah, she walks in and she commands a room. And one of the things that I, I also noticed, not so much in this film, but in some of the other films, is how short she is. She is <laughs> not a tall woman at all. Yeah. Um, but she always seems tall to me because of this presence, because she's very like, she captures the camera at some level, right? Mm-hmm. And it isn't just like, because she's, she's attractive or anything like that. It's because she has this this power that is very authoritative like you believe her when she says something you're just like yes yes ma'am like absolutely i will do that (laughs) yes madam yes madam Mm -hmm. yeah she was definitely born to be a star so um so another film that has just incredible action um we wanted to talk about uh Police story? Is that what it is? Yeah. Police it's, story three, super cop. Yeah. I think in the United States, it was released as super cop. And so there's mm-hmm. some confusion because then there's also a super cop two, right? Which I believe stars Michelle Yao, but like Jackie Chan has a really brief kind of cameo in it, but it's, it's pretty much about her. Yeah. So Police little- story three was the third for Jackie Chan. It was the first for her, I believe, but then yeah. they had kind of their, it had kind of its own sequel. So Yeah. Yeah. So um, this one came out in 1992 and um, it's Jackie Chan teaming up with Michelle Yeoh. Um, They are 
out to get a Chinese drug czar. He's from Hong Kong and she's from China. And um, they both have the same goal. Um, And they end up pretending to be siblings at one point, which is actually pretty funny. But um, they... Yeah, it's it's another one of those like badass like it's funny. It's got a lot of of good humor in it, but also again with some some serious stuff too. But mostly it has just incredible action and it culminates in another just really incredible action sequence that it just I mean it I just loved it so much. So what are your <laughs> thoughts, <laughs> Lauren? Um, well, you know, I've, I've always liked Jackie Chan films. I, I admit like he, and I, I think that most of us do because that, that combination of humor and actually serious fighting and serious mm-hmm. action is so enjoyable to watch. And, um, this, this one, I remember seeing it when I was a kid. I, I don't remember how old I was, but definitely like, I remember renting it and like, um, and, and we rented it because it was Jackie Chan film, but then Michelle, yeah, I was there <laughs> and, and she, yeah, it's one of the thing, again, you know, you talk about the, those differences in fighting styles is that Chan is very much a comedian, like that part of his style is being funny mm-hmm. um, and doing these really spectacular, these spectacular stunts and these spectacular, um, phys- the spectacular physical performance, but often kind of mocking it, being a clown about it, et cetera. And Yao in, in this role in particular is much more serious she's much more kind of centered in herself and takes herself much more seriously. But the fight scenes where they're, where they fight together, right. And they don't really, they don't ever square off against each other really. Um, But where they, they fight together again, you get that kind of going back and forth where the two of them obviously work well together. Um, And you can kind of see the timing, you can see the different styles and, and things like that. And um it's just, it's a lot of fun. Like, it's a fun movie. It still has kind of those elements of, of ridiculousness. Um, but I think that it's a much more polished film in a lot of ways than, like, definitely than some of Jackie Chan's earlier films, definitely than some of Michelle Yao's earlier films. Um, and feels feels almost more Hollywoody. There's There's a Hollywood element to it. Yeah. With some of the, particularly with some of the bigger things. So like the helicopter chase Mm -hmm. sequence and we're going to land a helicopter on a train and we're going to jump the motorcycle onto the top of the train. Like all of that stuff feels very, it's much bigger. It's, it's a bigger thing than just like the individual down on the ground fighting. Um, But you still get that. So it's, it, it strikes a really nice balance. And, um, and I think that it proves, you know, also the, that Michelle Yeoh could hold her own against someone like Jackie Chan and, and also be respected by him. And he's, he's notoriously sexist. Uh, but apparently like, you know, she, she broke through that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she jumps a motorcycle onto a moving train. <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, I had to back that up a couple of times and watch it. This was my first time watching Super Cop. I had never seen it before. Um, and it, I was so glad that we chose this as one of the movies that we were going to talk about because I I just enjoyed every minute of it. It's, it's so much fun. Um, the fighting and the action are incredible. And, and because it, one of the things that, that really does make Jackie Chan 
uh, like you mentioned the the combination of the the physical fighting but also this humor and one of the things about that that he does so well is incorporating just whatever's around him you know like I've seen him beat up a guy with a ladder by jumping in using it. I don't know. It was just, it was amazing. Um, but like, he'll just use kind of whatever's available to him. And, and that makes it so fun. And, and so in this case, Michelle does a little bit of that too. Um, not to the same extent, cause obviously he's like the star of the movie, but I think this really is both of their, their movie, um, in so many ways. And, uh, and just, yeah, watching the two of them play off of each other, watching the two of them deal with this case, which I also found it just uh, kind of fun how, I mean, this is five years before Hong Kong was, was leaving British control and reverting back to China. And they talk a lot about that. Like that's kind of an, a, a sort of like underlying point of, of this whole plot and why China and Hong Kong are working together and, and kind of who who benefits in the end when they, when you know when the good guys <laughs> win, um, and I just thought, oh wow, yeah, another you know kind of time capsule piece for a different reason because this is five years before that's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so so it just it so it includes some political commentary in in addition to its humor and its you know good cops beating up bad guys and um but it also makes way for just some really funny moments like when jackie chan's character is supposed to be deep undercover and runs into his girlfriend yeah <laughs> and uh <laughs> like oops <laughs> and well, then oh sorry no go on oh i was just gonna say and then she has to pretend to be a prostitute <laughs> so that he doesn't get caught yeah but at first she doesn't realize that that's what's going on so yeah yeah poor poor maggie chung is, is just like i i've been glad to see her in some other films that aren't jackie chan films because all of the police story films she's basically <laughs> just like the Duke. and and she's like yeah i don't know why she stays with this man <laughs> like because yeah. she just keeps on being humiliated but um I was going to say something about the action and now I can't. Oh, no. Well, one of the things about this combination of kind of the action, the physical comedy is stuff like that is that you get these little moments of slapstick, mm-hmm. right? Where that that is just like, you know, three stooges or Buster Keaton kind of thing. Um, and 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 Yao herself, I think, pulls it off really well. She is able to kind of meld with that when she pretends to be his sister initially yeah. and like he's he's having to navigate like first of all he has no idea what the fuck is going on half the time <laughs> um and and she's like oh yeah yes i'm your sister so like, oh yeah my little sister <laughs> um, he's not the best undercover cop no he's really not very good at being <laughs> undercover but he par- he's apparently convincing enough like mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> But but so and then the, that entire the entire sequence where they're at the restaurant and there's like this them attempting to remain undercover but also not hurt any innocent people is a really interesting or not hurt any of the other cops um, who don't know that they're undercover is a really interesting kind of interplay. It's really well set up. Um, one of the things that I like about a lot of Jackie Chan films is exactly that that they. They set up the best ones really do set up the situation very effectively so that it's believable as part of the plot. 
And then you get this fantastic set piece and an extended fight sequence or chase sequence where the lead characters are trying to do one thing, the bad guys are trying to do another, and then there's another group that is trying to do a third thing, and they're all sort of having to navigate each other. Um, and the the good guys are, of course, attempting to be certain that no one gets hurt mm-hmm. um, without, you know, revealing the fact that they are, in fact, police officers. And it's a it's really well done and it's very well balanced. Yeah. Yeah. One thing about the that whole ending sequence that was a little bit difficult for me was having to acknowledge the fact that Mission Impossible kind of ripped it off a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a lot of things that Mission Impossible <laughs> has ripped off, Karen. <laughs> well, I some of that is is, you know, intentional homage and stuff, but this was like, oh. <laughs> anyway, um so from Supercop, Michelle Yo goes on to do the Hero Trilogy or sorry, Hero Trio which is also I believe on the Criterion collection, is it? Yes, yes, I watched it recently. Now, when we when we said that yes, Madam is kind of silly, Hero Trio is just fucking bad shit. Like <laughs> I it's it's like a live action ninja turtles cartoon almost like that's the closest i could come to it like it's got these extreme villains and extreme heroes yeah so michelle yao plays a character called the invisible woman who literally has an invisible cloak that she like hides herself and then there maggie chung is in it who's like the thief catcher and she rides a motorcycle and like (laughs) at one point basically launches herself through a window by lighting a barrel of dynamite on fire um (laughs) like it's that kind of thing it's this really ridiculous action there's an entire there's a scene where like a, a a sentient skeleton takes over michelle yao's body and like fights the other women and everything it's wild like i i do recommend the the heroic trio just for its batshitness and it does have some great fight sequences and really cool to watch these three women together and everything but it's just (laughs) it's not like it does get serious at times but i'm just like this is comic book like it's yeah like i say live action ninja turtles cartoon that's what it feels like. <laughs> that's as close as i could come i'm certain there's a better explanation for what that is power rangers like it's that kind of thing <laughs> awesome um yeah so okay so i'm just looking at what else is on the criterion channel so there after yes madden there was uh, royal warriors the next year magnificent warriors and then there was Super Cop, then the Heroic Trio, then a sequel to the Heroic Trio, Executioners. Yeah, which I haven't seen yet. Yeah. And then the Stunt Woman in 1996. She also, in that time, teamed up with Jet Li. She did uh, Tai Chi Master, which I feel like was on TV a bunch when I was younger, um, like late 90s or something. I don't know. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like. We mentioned she does Tomorrow Never Dies in 1997, which uh, was her first um, big American film. And then uh, that just kind of opened a lot of doors for her. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon comes out in 2000. Um, and it does star Chow Young-Fat, Zhi Zhang, and is directed by Ang Lee, is... Um, uh, nominated, like we said, it wins four Academy Awards, Best Cinematography, Original Score, Art Direction, and Best Foreign Language Film. And it was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best um, Adapted Screenplay, 
costume design, film editing, and original song. So it was not nominated for um, any acting awards, even though it definitely should have been. And I know a lot of people, I remember that Oscars, and a lot of people thought Chow Young-Fat was going to be nominated. Um, Watching the film, even all these years later, I just don't know how he and Michelle, neither of them were. But uh, that's just... How it's the Academy on, rolls. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think it's because they're not speaking English. Yeah, I think that if this fi- this the same film was made in the English language, mm-hmm. they would have been nominated. I um, think they would have been nominated, and I think the film would have won Best yeah. Picture. It would have won a few other. Yeah, yeah, um, because there there is still def and there's definitely an Academy Award bias against non English speakers. <laughs> Um, you know, beyond issues even of race or or of of ethnicity, you know, I think that it's pretty indicative that one of the films that Michelle Yao's, that the film that Michelle Yao has been nominated for is one in which she, I believe she does speak some Chinese in it, but she also speaks a lot of English. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, it's very much, it's much more of an English language film than obviously than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which is entirely in Chinese. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, and, and this is also 2000, 2001 and the Academy since um, about 2016 has really made a concerted effort to expand their membership. And so there is a, a growing international contingent of the Oscars. And so now now we are seeing more expansion into including non-English speaking roles, except that most of them are still European. So when we see mm-hmm. people getting nominated, it's still like French or Italian, you know, it's not. Yeah. Uh, we still don't have Asian and Spanish speaking co- countries being equally represented. So. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Um the thing about I had so I mentioned to you before that I have not seen Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in a long time. I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it multiple times, um, but I have not Just seen let it. Everybody in a know, while. <laughs> right? right, right. <laughs> like you say, I haven't seen it, and people immediately think you've never seen Crouching. T-. Yes, I have. <laughs> I just didn't get a chance to rewatch it this week because it's been busy. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I can't speak really coherently about the details of the film. So I'm going to leave that to you. But um, but I think some of the reasons that it really captured um, American audiences the way that it did is because of this sort of um, fantasy, magical realism uh, elements and and that it really just had this beautiful, beautiful action um, mixed in with a story that was really just a beautiful you know, romantic sweeping adventure uh, mm-hmm. too. So, um, so it just, it was the kind of movie that, that because it incorporates all the things that people love about movies, I think that's really why it did as well as it did um, with audiences here in the United States. But um, that being said, what are some of the things for you having recently revisited this film that you think continue to make this a movie that resonates with people now? Um, well, I, I think that first of all, like, as, as you point out, that combination, the magical realism element, I think is really important. And it it accomplishes something that's very difficult to do in blending 
the mat the magic elements right without real clear explanation it's not like there's not a lot of exposition about how are these people able to fly right mm-hmm. um but they can and the film kind of it builds to it a little bit but it integrates that and the fighting really well so you can kind of you can see how they use this this physical this ability to like not fly but sort of walk on air or jump etc right and it works really really well it's not so spectacular that like we refuse to accept it it doesn't like come in it, it it's very well balanced i don't know i don't know how more to describe it they integrate um these elements really well and so you're more willing to accept it i think and and it does give the film kind of an ethereal quality mm-hmm. uh a, a sensation that like you know this this is taking it's taking place in a real historical period but it's also taking place outside of it so there's like that the fairy tale like aspect to it the um the fable like aspect it's also very straightforward in a lot of ways the whole point of contention initially is the sword that yeah. belongs to to the chaoyun fat character uh the the mumbai and that he tries to basically get rid of, give away, and then is stolen. And there's this whole thing, Malik, who has the right to possess this sword, um, who has the right to use this sword. And then there, there develops uh, out of that the um, the issue of Jen, who's the, the Zhang Ziyi character, and her desires and kind of you know how how much we are asked to are, are asked to sympathize with her but also she's a spoiled little brat right at the same time mm-hmm. um and so it's so straightforward in a lot of ways but manages to put in all of this complexity in what is is a fairly simple story so it's really i i think that at the end of the day it's a really well balanced one i think that that speaks to pretty much universal audiences you don't have you don't have to know a lot in order to follow everything, but it's still very embedded in its culture and very embedded in its characters. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things I really like about it. It, it was interesting rewatching it. Um, and it's been a long time since I've seen this movie. But in rewatching it, it kind of hit home to me how so much of this is about women's place in the world and, and in this particular culture and where women are supposed to exist. And in an in interesting way, the Michelle Yeoh character is, on the one hand, she, she has all of these skills and all of these abilities, but it has closed off a portion of life for her. Um, and there's this whole backstory about her, you know, being in love with, uh, with Lee Mubei, but also having had a relationship and been engaged to his best friend who was then killed. And so there is this unwillingness for the two of them to actually cross that line to be with each other. And then you've got Jen, who is on the one hand, this exceptionally skilled martial artist who's kind of learned in secret. And has been in love with this, this young bandit, Lo. <laughs> Um, who I just absolutely adore. And mm. uh, but so all of the female characters have this like this interplay that's going on between them about the traditional role of women, the role of women as they want it to be, the this whole idea of freedom of being free to make your own choices, um, but also the consequences of those choices. And that's one of the things that the Michelle Yeoh character keeps on sort of trying to say to Jen is that making the choice to be a warrior, making the choice to 
go a different route does mean that you are closing off in this society. It means that you're closing off yourself from love, from, uh, from having a family, all of those things. And that's kind of the choice that has to be made. And she sort of pressures Jen in a lot of ways to go back, right? Go back to your parents, go back to your home. And I think that it's very easy to kind of read her character as being this sort of reactionary or more conservative element. But part of what she's doing is she's expressing her own longing, the things that she has not had because of the world that she has to exist in because of the choices that she's made. So it's a really interesting interplay. And I think that it does very well also in building these characters as there being no real villain. Even Jade Fox, who's the, um, this, I guess, the, the closest you can really come to a villain in this film, mm-hmm. herself has been, she's been denied everything. She's poor, right? So this girl that she has kind of marshaled along and helped and taught has hidden things from her. Um, she hasn't been allowed to study at the, the Wudan school. So she's not been allowed because she's female. So she's not been allowed to learn traditionally. Um, and, and her anguish and anger comes out of all of that. And so she's not, even though she is a villain, I guess, she's not a total villain. You understand why she is the way that she is and how for especially all of these women, the world is, there are pieces of the world that are closed off to them in ways that it's not closed off to men. And they don't have many choices that they can make that are going to give them everything that they want. So yeah, I, I, it's a beautiful film. I really encourage people, if you haven't seen it in a while, to go back and watch it. Um, because it's, first of all, the fighting is fantastic. Like, you know, some of the speed and the abilities of these people are just remarkable. But the film itself, beyond fight sequences, is so beautiful in so many ways. Yeah. Well, and another example of the actors doing their own fighting, like... Almost yeah. all almost all of the fight sequences are the actors doing it. Those aren't stand-ins. It's not CGI. The when when they use CGI, it's to like remove the the wires and cables and things that are holding them up to accomplish these beautiful um kind of flying sequences. But the actors do pretty much do their own stunts throughout. So um which is I really think, I mean, there are certain things that you you definitely want stump people to get involved, but um, but I think that it really does lend it like those actors being willing to to do these things really does make the experience so much more immersive and engaging because you don't have to have these like far away shots and things that that kind of hide that it's not really the the character that actor um you just can do a lot more when people are willing to jump in mm-hmm. do that stunts so yeah plus it's just more examples of michelle yo being a badass <laughs> <laughs> and she she does have like oh a couple of the best fights mm-hmm. her her and shang ji have have two of the best fights i think in the entire film yeah um, it's, it's just between the two of them and um and they're they're so important right and this kind of battle between between them is so important but the the speed and the use of different weapons and the use of the environment like all of it is just is it's remarkable to watch like sometimes sometimes i'm just like wow human beings are amazing <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's so true. So, um, so all three of those films are available on the Criterion channel right now, along with uh, five others, like we mentioned. Um, so definitely go and check them out. Um, it is, uh, I was telling someone the other day, like a Criterion, a month of the Criterion channel, if you don't have a subscription and we are not being endorsed by them, they're not sponsoring us, but um they should but they don't Um, though they should (laughs) yes but it's 10.99 for one month and you get eight awesome michelle yo movies that's just a little over a dollar a movie if you watch nothing else but you can't go onto the criterion channel and not watch other things because there's so much stuff it's such a great it really is such a a great channel so um, they really yeah. should. They they really should be sponsoring the show. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so after Crouching Tech, we're not going to go deep into any of these, but I just kind of wanted to kind of recap the journey of Crouching Tiger to to today, where we can now say Academy Award nominee. Hopefully, we can say Academy Award winner Michelle Yeoh. Um, and so after Crouching Tiger, she does Memoirs of a Geisha, which had a uh, you know a set of. <laughs> um, controversies but uh, yeah which understandable i remember when that film came out and there was all this conversation i was like this seems like a bad idea Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep but uh but also you know another film that it uh got a bunch of oscar nominations and and won a couple of things um and so it's just more of like so for i'm not defending the very definite blinding issues with memoirs of a geisha but it was another example of asian film and asian um performers being acknowledged and recognized by american audiences even though again i'm being shut out of um acting consideration um in that case but um after that she does sunshine which is a great danny boyle film i love that movie um it's uh it's a futuristic have you seen sunshine i have yeah a long time ago yeah i it's so funny because i didn't know anything about the movie it came out in 2007 and it was just this one day i had just moved back to california and like all my friends were busy (laughs) and like just all the time i was just spending a lot of time by myself and i was going to a lot of movies by myself at this point and um and there was this one day I was just like, oh, it's a Wednesday afternoon. I have nothing to do. What's playing at the theater? So I looked up the movie times and I see this title and I was just like, what is that? I hadn't seen any marketing for it. I hadn't heard anything about it. Didn't know anybody who was in it. And I looked it up and it's like Killian Murphy, Chris Evans. I didn't care about at that point, but um, now I have a different opinion. But um Michelle Yeoh was in it. Uh, I'm trying to think who else. There's the, the um, anyway, great cast. And it was directed by Danny Boyle. And so I was just like, oh, what the heck? I'll go. So I went. It's like five o'clock on a Wednesday. And I had that entire theater to myself. I was the only person there. And so I got like a private screening for eight bucks. <laughs> and I loved that movie. It was so good. <laughs> Rose Byrne is in it. Rose Byrne, yeah. yeah Rose yeah. Byrne, Michelle Yeoh, Benedict Wong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Cliff Curtis. Else. Oh, Mark Strong. Mark, Mark Strong, Strong yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yep, yep. Good, good movie. Um, it was written by Alex Garland, um, who I definitely enjoy more than you do. 
Um, <laughs> I do remember liking Sunshine. I honestly don't remember that much about it, except that oh, this was this was well made. Like, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's one of those. It's a it's a single like limited location movie because it's this group of people who the basically the earth is the sun is dying and so the earth is freezing and so kelly murphy plays this like nuclear scientist who figured out how to construct a bomb big enough that they can basically reignite the sun is what they're trying to do and so they're in the middle of this journey to get there and then something goes wrong with their ship they're the second they're the second crew to attempt this. The first one never made it and no one knew what happened to them. And they pick up a distress call from that other uh, vessel. And so they have to make the decision. Do we go like find out what's up with them or do we just continue with our mission? And um, so then things happen. So it's a, it's a fascinating film and it's really good and such a great, um, it's really fun because none of these people were really big stars at the time that it came out. So, uh, I mean, Killian Murphy was kind of on the rise. Chris Evans was kind of on the rise, but um, none of them were huge stars yet. And it, so it's it's really fun to go back and watch this and and see them and uh, see kind of the youth. But it's also just a, a good story. So um, let's see. So she also did some voice work. She did um, some like video game things she did uh the sequel to crouching tiger which was sort of sort of destiny and she joined the mcu in guardians of the galaxy volume two and uh then 2018 crazy rich asians and she gets to play the awesome badass super intimidating mom eleanor and uh we have talked a lot about how much we love crazy rich asians Mm -hmm so we don't need to dive into that one again but um watch that if you haven't seriously just what are you doing <laughs> go watch that movie she, and if she you is, haven't hmm? she is so good in that too she like, is yeah she is i love that movie so much um she also did last christmas so she reunited with um henry golding for that one and that's directed by paul feig and also a delightful, charming movie. Do not let the haters tell you not to watch it because it's perfectly sweet and charming. And I love it. And her character in that she's not the star. She she plays uh, Amelia Clark's boss who owns this Christmas store because she loves Christmas and she calls herself Santa. And it's just so delightful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I still haven't seen it. Oh, really? I know. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Um, she also did TV. She did. She was uh, on the Star Trek Discovery series, um, and she came back into the MCU in a different character in Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and maybe a different character. Maybe it'll end up being the same character. Who knows? Uh, anyway, and then that I, I honestly have not seen the second Guardians of the Galaxy. So when you said she was in that, I was just like, "What?" <laughs> and that, and I was like, yeah. "But this is she also in Shang Chi?" I was like, "Oh, uh-huh. okay." See, I at this point, I've said it before. At this point, I have no idea what's going on in the MCU. <laughs> like, I have no fucking clue. At some point, I'm gonna watch Wakanda Forever just because I, I, you know, I liked the first one. But I, I have no doubt that I, at some point, I'm just gonna be like, "What the hell?" I have no idea what's happening. No clue. I don't know who these people are. Who are they? Where did they come from? Why? They're like saying things that sound really important, but I don't know what that means. 
Well, um, <laughs> I enjoy all the MCU movies. And I, I don't apologize for it. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that you should apologize for it. I just like. I don't know at what point I lost track of what the hell was happening. Yeah. But I have. I've completely lost it. I do not know what's going on anymore. And people will say things like the whole Ant-Man thing. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's like, the thing. I literally like if you don't, don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like if you don't keep up with them, you definitely do lose track. At this point, the movies are rewarding people who have stuck with all of them. So, I mean, I think that I think that uh, it's not correct that these movies only exist to set up the next movie i think there are definitely elements that you know are going to be tied in you know in future installments every time but that's not what the entire plot focuses on each of these movies does have its own plot it's just also um also including elements that we will see again so so you can watch any (laughs) even the recent marvel movies you can watch any of them and follow the plot of that movie they're just going to be references and things that you won't necessarily know or characters you might not know understand how they connect so that's <laughs> that's what you're missing so but shang chi and the legend of the ten rings is great and it's actually yes. kind of a completely standalone mcu movie it really doesn't reference the other movies at all other than like a couple of little tiny things that have nothing to do with the plot of the movie so yeah i i did really like that one and um and that's that's that was that might be the last MCU <laughs> film I've seen. No, no. Um, you saw Thor: Eleven Thunder. Thor: Eleven Thunder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thor: Eleven Thunder. I think is the last MCU film I've seen. I've admittedly completely lost it on the Spider-Man films. Don't know what's going on there. I don't think I've seen any Ant-Man movies, like the actual just Ant-Man, not you know <laughs> the ones that were used with the Avengers. Haven't seen those. Uh, have not seen Wakanda Forever yet. Although I I I do want to watch that just because. Uh, <laughs> yeah so some of this is definitely on me but at the same time i'm like you're saying things that apparently make sense but make they're words sense. they are words to me like good good yay no bad bad <laughs> who the fuck is that person <laughs> yes yeah, so, well, you know, so, so did this and then it's actually his father i was like what does that mean <laughs> So where I want to kind of end this conversation (laughs) is um, specifically on Michelle Yeoh is with everything everywhere all at once. And again, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about this movie, but, um, but to me, even though I believe that she should have been nominated a couple of times before she should have been nominated for crouching tiger, hidden dragon. And I think she should have been nominated for supporting actors for crazy rich Asians. Um, But I think that, there's something about everything everywhere all at once that really does feel like her entire career has been building to this movie because mm-hmm. it includes the the martial arts and the physicality and the badass fighting it includes the heartfelt emotion and these really beautiful moments not only between her and her husband and the various iterations of what that relationship could have looked like but especially this beautiful mother-daughter relationship and even a daughter and a father um, because she has complicated relationship with her father who does not approve of anything she's done in her life. So, um, so it, the, the film itself in so many ways feels like the culmination of everything in her career has been building to this movie. So in a way it's kind of fitting that this is where she ends up getting her 
long overdue Academy Award nomination. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's a complicated film. And I, I think that you're right. One of the things that we haven't really mentioned as, as we were talking about this, we've talked a lot about her, her fighting abilities, but she really is a fantastic actress as an actress, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that you especially see in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where she builds a character like, and, and then, and we get that in everything everywhere as well. Um, where you feel, you feel a myriad of emotions about this character. This is a complex human being that has a past and has a future, all of those things. And for someone that doesn't emote a great deal, right. There, mm-hmm. there's not an emphasis on like, you know, her bursting into tears or breaking down and laughter or anything. She, she gives so much emotion. To her roles, even to more to simpler roles like like the film, uh, like in in, uh, I was about to say police cop police story. (laughs) Um, uh, And and into things that are more complicated, like everything everywhere there, there is there's a reality, I think, to to the way that she to the life that she gives her characters. You feel that she's really invested in them. And she is Michelle Yeoh. And I think that everything everywhere has all of those things that are attached to her, right? As an icon in a lot of ways. Um, but she also is 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 playing a part and that part really comes through. Yeah. And we're going to be seeing a lot more of her. She, the day after the Oscars, she's heading on a plane to go film Wicked. She'll be Madame Morrible. She's going to be joining the Avatar franchise um good great um why why let them go i don't know and we will also soon be seeing her in kenneth branagh's next hercule poirot film a haunting in venice so (laughs) yep that's good that just makes me happy (laughs) yep especially if uh like i'm not i'm not sure how they're changing the story because this is supposed to be based on um um halloween halloween party yeah and so i'm not totally sure how they're changing the story and i'm not sure which character she'll be playing but if she plays the one i think she is gonna play then that's gonna be so much fun (laughs) so (laughs) anyway so yeah lots more michelle yo to come and hopefully uh hopefully more awards in her future so Mm -hmm. yeah uh, all right. So that's going to wrap up this part of our discussion. Was there anything else you wanted to mention just in brief about anything else you've been watching or want to watch? I've been, I've been pretty much watching Michelle Yeoh films. I think I watched, <laughs> I watched police story and then I watched crouching tiger, hidden dragon. What else have I been? Oh, well, I mean, in, in to, to the, uh, you know, the, the fantastic physical performances also on the criterion channel is tons of Buster Keaton movies um both shorts and feature length films and if you've not watched any buster keaton or or you've only seen kind of the bigger films like uh the general or sherlock jr definitely go check those out he has he has some amazing um amazing performances and uh talk talk about someone who just like puts his entire body into his work (laughs) and risks his life on numerous occasions it is amazing he did not just like break his head open at some point so true <laughs> so true um i've seen a couple of things that are out this weekend by the time this airs i will also have seen 65 which is the new adam driver movie um but i haven't seen it yet but i've seen i saw champions which is the new bobby Farrelly movie mm-hmm. with woody harrelson i had mixed reaction to that movie i 
Um, I think it has a lot of problems. I was actually originally going to write the review of it. And um, when I saw the movie, I was just like, I don't, I don't know how to write this review in a way that doesn't, I don't know, because it's not that I, that I think people shouldn't see the movie. It's just that I don't think that it's, it accomplishes quite what, um, what Farrelly probably wanted to. Um, it's basically, it's a, it's an adaptation of a Spanish film from I think 2018, 2019 um, about this basketball team. Woody Harrelson is, he ends up with a DUI and he's, he's coaching a J league basketball team or he's, he's an assistant coach on a J league basketball team. He ends up with this DUI and in order to avoid jail time, he accepts community service instead and ends up coaching a special Olympics basketball team with a, a group of intellectually disabled players, all of whom are absolutely delightful human beings. And I would just love to have gotten to spend one day on that set, hanging out with that cast because they are so just fun and charming and I bet hilarious. And um, so it's like, there are things about the movie that I think, yeah, this is good. People should watch it. But also I think overall it's bobby fairly who is not great at the sensitivity and yeah i was was gonna say all of that sounds great until you note that it's a bobby fairly movie right (laughs) now he was best known in you know in the 90s for movies like dumb and dumber and um 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 Oh my gosh i'm just blinking on everything he ever did he did shallow Hal. he and his brother peter um Mm -hmm. and they've they've kind of split up and they're going separate you know they're doing their own projects now they're not working together anymore and both of them are trying to do more like um um grown-up movies (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) right for adult human beings (laughs) exactly um and i think that there are some there's some interesting things about that uh i i have a lot of opinions about green book um, we do not need to rehash those. That's his brother's movie. But with Champions, um, I think that his I think his heart is in the right place. And I think he's really trying to do a good thing with like um showing that that people with these intellectual disabilities are capable of of everything that anybody else is, and that we need to stop treating them like they're incapable or that you know that they don't understand humor and the you know different things um so i think that he's trying to communicate that but i think that there are some choices made in this movie that end up kind of accidentally being a little bit insensitive um i i'm giving him the benefit of the doubt there i don't know if he deserves it or not <laughs> yeah but you you sound like you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. you're just like it's being a little insensitive <laughs> but i i really think that he's not intending to i think it's just yeah, I, I think it's just he's a guy who doesn't really know how to get it right. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what it is. This, this I, I, you know, in, in some of my other work, I feel like I've said this to some people. It's like, I think I know what you're doing. But I don't think you're getting it the way that you need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, it's like, it's not a bad movie. It's actually kind of sweet. It's actually very sweet in a couple of places. It's just... 
it was just okay. And ultimately I came down to, I didn't want to write a negative review of mm-hmm. this movie because I, I don't think this is a movie that deserves that. So, but I also couldn't write a glowing one either. So I ended up just like, you know what? I'm just going to tell people, go see this if you want to, if it interests you, go watch it, make up your own mind. I mean, everybody should anyway, but yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> champions. Um, and then uh, the other one that's out this weekend is Scream 6. And uh, I will say that I think it's better than Five Cream. Um, <laughs> overall, just as a movie, which I, I, I rewatched that again. I've watched it a couple of times because I'm like, what am I missing on this movie? And I still just think Five Cream is just meh. But um, so Scream 6 is better. As far as being a scary movie, I think it does some really awesome um, kill scenes and just general like scary sequences. But um, this the plot and the like reveal of who it is, who Ghostface is this time was so obvious from the beginning as like as soon as you introduce as soon as you meet certain characters. You're just like, okay, I know where we're going with this. I know exactly what this entire plot is. And then I spent the whole movie being annoyed that the characters could not figure it out. (laughs) Because it was so obvious. They were saying the answer without realizing they were saying the answer. (laughs) That's really unfortunate because one of the good things about most of the other screen films, and I I think I would include Five Cream in this, um, is is that it's it's unpredictable. That you you can kind of, you can look at them and go like, I can figure out how a number of different people could be the killer mm-hmm. or the killers, right? Because we get kind of prepared for that after the first film. Um, but none of them were ones where I was like, it's that person. And then it turned out to be that person, at least on my first viewing, right? Yeah. And and I think that that's, these films are not really about who the killers are necessarily, but it the, you need to have at least a little bit of that question mark. Yeah. It's more about the motives in each Uh case. And so for me, it's like every one of the movies um, before this one, I've been able to guess who the killers were, but not guess why. It's just more like, oh, well, that's probably who did it, you know. But even then, I haven't been able to fully guess, um, like, because most of these movies have more than one killer, the exception being Scream 3. And um, so it's like in the first movie, I was just like, Oh, it's totally Billy. And then you have reasons to believe it's not him. And I'm like, well, okay, so maybe it's not, but also I still think it is. And then it turned out it was, but I didn't guess why. And I definitely didn't guess that he had a partner. Um, and that's the same with, uh, with all the other movies. This one, I went into it and it was, like I said, as soon as certain characters were introduced, I knew exactly what the plot was. I knew exactly where they were going with it. And it was frustrating. That's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So, but, you know, you definitely feel the absence of Wes Craven um, in these in these new installments. But I also, like I said, I do think Scream 6 was a lot more fun. Um, Like, I think that the kill scenes and things were a lot more entertaining than in the last movie. So I think that they there's definitely an improvement here. And I know one of your concerns was, you know, the, <laughs> like the tagline was like in this city, no one can hear you scream. And it was just like, it was annoying that, you know, they were trying to say, Oh, well, no one's going to know what's happening. Cause it's New York, you know, but um, they don't do that. So like, there's definitely <laughs> like, there's, 
there's stuff that happens in public places and people are paying attention. So (laughs) I mean, I I will admit that if I were standing on the subway and like someone in a ghost face mask walked by, I would just be like, all right. Uh um like that that is definitely a thing in new york but less so of like someone running down the street screaming that someone else is trying to kill them yeah and like most of the time someone will respond to that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so they definitely avoided that so anyway entertaining but not not a great whodunit mystery and that's the thing about scream is that they're always kind of these slasher slash whodunit movies and it's not great at that part of it. That's unfortunate. Yeah. But anyway, all right. Any final thoughts before we wrap things up? No, watch more movies. And when you hear this, the Academy Awards will be over for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am I'm actually very pleased. And I, I, I've said this on Twitter. I'm actually very pleased that I think there's only one Best Picture nominee that I'm just like, I really hope that doesn't win. All of the others, I'm just like, sure, why not? Like, <laughs> and there are a few I haven't seen, so I, I'm not going to speak to those necessarily. But like, all the ones that I have seen, just like, I'm, I'd be fine with that. That'd be cool. Like, yeah. not bothered by it. Um, I, I have some expectations, but I am very bad at predicting Oscars, so I'm no clue. <laughs> I have seen all ten of the Best Picture nominees. There are two that I hope don't win. Um, but one of them, if it did, I, I could live with it. The other one, I'd be really mad. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and that's, un- I have to say, that's unusual for me. Usually there are a couple of mm-hmm. best picture nominees that I'm just like, fuck you and fuck your entire family. Like that's, <laughs> it's a good lineup this year. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like even the, the one that I'm like, eh, I really don't want it to win, but if it could, I, if it did, I would live with it. It's like, it's not a bad movie. I just really don't prefer it so Mm -hmm. um it's a good lineup this year there's so many categories that are are so good um even i mean my gosh the shorts this year that are nominated are incredible so it's a very it's a very interesting grouping i Mm -hmm. i think that like it's not just a good lineup but there there's a lot of unpredictability in it i think there are a lot of very different this has been true for the past couple of years there are a lot of very different films and very different performances that have been nominated. And like, you know, I, I think one of our themes over the past year or so has been, how can you compare these? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. how do you compare this performance with that one? These are two completely different films and completely different stories, you know? And yeah. and that's that's been nice. There hasn't been the same kind of, you know, Oscar bait in, in quite the same way over the past few years. This is all part of the changing academy you know when they started really expanding who is involved and who gets to be members of the academy uh we we see so much more representation it's still predominantly white men but it's it's really shifted so much and we're seeing that reflected in who gets nominated and hopefully we'll also see that reflected in who actually wins too Mm -hmm. Well, I think that that's definitely been reflected in the past few years of the yeah. winners. Um, and there, there have been, there have been issues, obviously, but things. I think that things are quite obviously changing, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. They're not changing fast enough, but they're definitely changing. Right. Yeah. We're also going to be seeing some interesting things happen as a result of the Academy's diversity initiatives that they introduced a couple of years ago. I believe. This year is the first year where 
the best picture nominees had to follow those specific rules of like, you had to have um, inclusion in multiple categories of like, not just who's on the screen, but who's behind the scenes and also who markets the movies. Um, Yeah. I think this is the first year that those rules are actually in effect. So every film that was not, it's only for best picture, but every film that was nominated for best picture had to meet certain criteria of not just including women, but including women of color, including, you know, people of color in every aspect from pre-production to marketing the movie. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think that's a big part of why we're seeing the changes that we're seeing now too. So, yeah. So, all right. Of course, next week we might be talking about how the Academy Awards are bullshit and how could they not award so-and-so and such and such. <laughs> so we probably will. Let's face it. There will be something. There probably will. But one thing <laughs> I am very, very confident on today, the day before the Oscars, is that everything, everywhere, all at once is going to be your uh, best picture winner. I, I I will buy that. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it would actually be, and stats only, you know, only count until they fall, um, and stats fall every year. But it would be absolutely unprecedented for a film to come in winning everything that it has won and then lose the the best picture award Mm -hmm. so well we will find out tomorrow night we will and i will be there so next week i'll have a report from inside the press room can't (laughs) wait (laughs) all right well thank you all so much for listening uh we really really appreciate your support your listening ears and also your dollars. We want to thank the patrons who keep the show going. They are Ollie, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Judy, Kathleen, Cariata, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, and Tao. Thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to also become a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash citizen dame and sign up. Um, being a patron means that you get early access to the episodes. You get full bonus episodes um and some other goodies along the way too and you also just get to know that you're helping keep the show going um paying for hosting and helping keep the website up and all that so we really appreciate all of your support we also do have our zazzle store there's nothing new on the zazzle store but you it's always a good time to get a new t-shirt right so zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod and our ko-fi co-fi.com slash citizen dame we do also have the donate button on our website, which is at citizendamepod.com. Um, and my review of, six, of Scream 6, I almost said 6 Cream. Uh, my review of Scream <laughs> 6 is there too. So you can check that out if you're looking for some, some new reading. Um, we love to hear from people. You can email us, citizendamepod at gmail.com. And you can find us on the socials. On Twitter and Instagram, we're at citizendamepod. On Letterboxd, we are at citizendame. We do keep running lists of the films that we're talking about here. So if you're listening and you get to the end and you're like, oh, shoot, what movies did they talk about? Or what was that one called again? You can go to our Letterboxd and look it up. Um, We also do have, we have not started using, but we do have a Mastodon account so that when Twitter inevitably dies, we're ready to go. And that is citizen dame pod at mastodon.social. You can I also. Am... What? <laughs> I am predicting it tomorrow. Like I'm right now just like Twitter's going to crash. It's not going to be able to handle it. Like, I don't know how it will handle the Oscars. <laughs> I really don't. It'll be interesting to see. So uh, hopefully it doesn't take the rest of us down with it. We'll we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, every time Twitter doesn't work, I'm like, oh, this is it. It's over. And then it comes back and I'm like, OK, well, all right. Lives to see back. another day. 
but a little bit worse. Let's yep. talk about yep. it. You know, yeah. <laughs> comes back, but a little bit worse. It is so true. Well, Lauren, where can people find you on Twitter and all the other places? I am on all of the socials at LH Business. And I am at Karen M. Peterson. So thank you all so much for joining us. We will catch you next time. Bye. And the Oscar goes to Michelle Yeoh. Michelle Yeoh studied to become a ballet dancer, and despite her illustrious career in action films, has no formal training in martial arts. Thank you for all the little boys and girls who look like me watching tonight. <laughs> this is the beacon of hope and possibilities. This is proof that dreams dream big and dreams do come true. And ladies, don't let anybody tell you you are ever past your prime. <laughs> Never give up.